are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM, it's time for the nerdy news. Yes, it's uh, Friday, it's 6 o'clock, and it's CFCR, and uh, we got Jody and Dave here in studio. Hello, Saskatoon. And we will be hearing from Craig and Hank and Brennan a little later. Craig and Hank are talking about the season finale of True Detective which we're only halfway through, so we're not going to weigh in on it. And, and th thank you guys for no spoilers. I do appreciate that. Yeah, we're enjoying it, though. Yeah, it's good. Good I, to see Jodie Foster. She's excellent. They also talk about Madam Web, and Hank weighs in on a bunch of big network TV shows that are back on the air, you know, following the writer's strike last year. They're finally back, so Tracker, FBI, SWAT, Fire Country, a few ones, and... Craig has delved into Tokyo Vice season two, which we have yet to do. But yes, as Hank says, he thinks Jody and Dave like it. Jody and Dave like it. Yeah, we do. And uh, Brennan has some retro picks. He's uh, going to talk a little bit about Airplane, Airplane 2, and Spaceballs. Oh, wow. Good yeah. segment. Yeah, I think. Can't wait for that. Yeah, pretty fun. So we have a couple things that we want to talk about today. Uh, one is Resurrections, when a famous artist uses their power to help somebody who used to be famous and maybe fell on hard times. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about the new animated feature from DC, which is Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1. Yeah. Now this just came out a couple of weeks ago and there are going to be three parts. So the next installment is supposed to come out late April and then we'll see part three come sometime in the summer. Yeah, and of course, as listeners know, we always love our DC animated films. And so, you know, we're easy to please in this regard. We really are. But uh, this one's special in a number of ways. Well, first of all, it is based on the 1985-86 uh, series that was done by Mark Wolfman and George Perez. And they do give tribute to George Perez because he passed away last year. It was massive when it came out, and it's still really beloved by a lot of DC fans. And it uh, is, was kind of one of the early crossover events for DC. It has a lot of story in it. So I appreciate why they're having to divide this up into three parts because you got to get through a lot of plot. But I think what I really like about this adaptation is that they're kind of not focusing so much on the plot. They're really focusing more on like the characters and some of the relationships. And it is not pandering at all. Like if you don't know your DC characters, you're going to struggle with this because they they just throw characters at you and sometimes you're in the future, sometimes you're in the past and you're like, is that Constantine? Yeah, 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 I guess yeah, he's the homeless guy who's kind of the threat throughout and obviously it's Flash and it's Barry Allen. Uh, he's the thread that kind of connects everything, but it is a convoluted story. Yeah, I, and by the same token, you could learn a lot by watching this, especially if you, uh, you know, had your search engine open and your pause button at the ready so that you could like educate yourself a little bit as you watch this about who some of these lesser known DC characters are. Um, because yeah, this looks like a, looks like it's going to be a three part series, I guess, of, of feature length films that's really catering to 
the well-versed DC fan. Yeah. Like you said, not pandering at all. And that's one of the things that makes this a little different from our beloved DC animated legacy, even though we're fans of this one too. It's not the same old, same old. It is very different. So this one is directed by Jeff Wamister, and it looks like Archer. Like the style of animation is different than anything we've really previously seen from DC. Yeah, thicker lines. Almost rotoscoped. Sure, yeah, okay. And, and uh, the characters look really young because uh, part of the story of this graphic novel is the inception of the Justice League and how it came to be. So uh, Clark Kent actually looks younger in this than Superboy does in the Young Justice series because he's just a, you know, it's just a, a, a young Krypton. Yeah. Uh, it's just starting out. Yeah, it is. And the same goes for a lot of the other characters too. But somehow with Superman, it just seems more striking. Yeah, like, it doesn't really look like a man yet. No, he's growing up. It, I really like the thread of Barry Allen, and I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge fan of like Flashpoint and some of the other storylines that have used the same kind of idea with him. Uh, but it does have him traveling through significant pinpoints in his life, including his wedding to Iris, and then of course what happens, how they solve this problem of all of these Earths that are being destroyed uh, and the, the challenge of getting everyone coordinated enough to build and do what is necessary to prevent this from happening. And, spoiler, they, they do, but there's a caveat. At the very, very end, what they have done has shaped what is to come. And so some things can't possibly exist anymore and they just disintegrate. And because Flash is using his super speed to travel through different eras and different times and to look into the future and to look into, you know, parallel universes and stuff like that, uh, we get to see a lot of different iterations of the heroes that we already know. So, you know, you're looking at what you think might be Wonder Woman, but it's actually Superwoman. And you're looking at what you think might be Superman, but it's actually Ultraman. And it's, that, that makes it really fun. So there's a lot of curveballs coming at you. Not your typical beloved DC animated movie where everything is kind of focused on uh, a villain that has to be outdone and a bunch of battle scenes that ensue to make that happen. Although there is still conflict and some, you know, flexing of superpowers in this too. It's good. I'm looking forward to part two and three. Yeah, and it's good to know the timing of the releases because of the complexity of the story. Obviously, we're going to want to watch them as soon as they're available, but it'll give people a chance to maybe rewatch part one right before part two comes out and then maybe do the same before part three. Yeah, or just get the book and read it. That's a good idea, too. That's also good, because it is a good read. All right, we're going to throw things over to the fellas and hear about some TV and movies and stuff, and then uh, we're going to talk about Sandy Shaw. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody, it's Craig Silliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, who is lying in bed right now, making hey, baby. a little bit like yeah. pillow talk. My good buddy yeah. Hank Cruz. This How you doing? Talk. Pillow uh -huh. talk with Hank and Craig. That's right. Ooh, I'm doing good. Talk. I'm in my office. You're you're in bed. 
Yeah, no. I'll, I'll, you know, I really hope somebody walks by your office right now and listens to our pillow talk. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I've got another meeting in bed. Yeah. So uh, we got a few things to talk about this week. Uh, let's quickly, though, uh, get to True Detective. Uh, the finale was on Sunday there. Uh, maybe we should skip spoilers. Uh, but what? kind of Those overall... are my, that's my favorite part. I know, I know, but uh, overall, uh, it's only been it's only been a few days. Still, there might be people catching up. But overall, impressions of the finale and the series itself. Go, go. Okay, I'll go. Uh, the finale. Once you told me it was only six episodes, I got it angry because I'm like, all the other seasons were eight, and I was like, eight, 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 and six. I'm like, really? And they had so many things to wrap up and everything. So I went into the finale being angry. And I was like, really? How are you going to wrap everything up here by the end of the finale? I went, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I didn't, uh, I thought they did a very good job. I can't get enough of Jodie Foster. So I really hope that if they were to do another season of something, they can include her in there. The whole, I, I, it's hard to say anything without a spoiler, but I was very happy. I was very happy with the finale. It was extended too, about another, what, 10 or 15 minutes thrown in there. So yeah, it was uh, like an hour 15. Yeah. I would say that overall, I felt it was a satisfying ending for the most part. What I will complain about is like if I had to give somebody asked me this morning, what would you rate the series or like the season mm. out of 10? And I said, mm, I don't know, probably seven. Like it was good, but I feel like and, and it goes back to what you said about the number of episodes. I think that there wasn't there was either too much story or not enough episodes to tell that story, because there's a number of things that we get into that don't really go anywhere or 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 even in terms of the relationships of the characters like i really like jodie foster in it and uh kaylee reese but you know those two characters other than that one situation they had with the 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 guy from years ago they don't really have like they don't play off each other too much I, I, a different podcast i was listening to was mentioning like lethal weapon where you've got murtaugh and riggs and mm -hmm. you know they're they're like oil and water, right? They they they're very different characters, but they complement each other very well. And through the course of the movie, they become friends, right? And we don't really get anything like that here. Everyone's Dude. so wrapped up in their own traumas of the past that they don't really focus on where these characters are now and their relationships. And so, consequently, like it's fun to see Navarro and Danvers together, but you know you don't really get a much deeper uh, meaning behind it, even when they hint at some of those things, like. And then they don't make clear on it. Like earlier on, they hinted that like, you know, she was like, oh, is, do you still keep the pots and pans here in your house? Like they had some deeper friendship or something. And we don't really get to see any of that either in the past or in the present. So I think a but lot of we that. would have if there was two more episodes. Uh... Well, exactly. Or just some of this stuff was too much. Now, again, this might be a minor, minor, minor spoiler. But early on in the season, we see her. We're, we're trying to figure out what's the deal with her son, right? First, you're like, oh, wait, she had a son. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay, he clearly like, seems like her son and husband probably died in a car accident or something. But they get they make such a mystery out of that even that I'm going like, oh, was she driving the car? Like, what's the what's the twist here? And then ultimately, I won't really give away what happened. But ultimately, they don't really tell you what happened in the end. Like, they use it for a little bit of uh, dramatic impact, but they don't. They planted all these seeds of a mystery that they never make good on in the end. They, you know, sure, they kind of tell you what happened, but it isn't, you know, they, they built so many of these things up to be little mysteries. And when you watch these shows, you're not watching them for the mystery necessarily or all the little mysteries they're going to pepper in. You're watching it to see how these characters are affected by this mystery or how they relate to each other, like the, the characters, the, 
and and how the story brings out character in them you know what i mean so anyway so the, overall uh, the big reveal at the end that was more that kind of ticked me off as well because you go through these six episodes trying to figure things out and then they do this big reveal at the end where it's like boom and this is what really happened you're like what yeah, like some of it was ridiculous without giving anything away. But. Well, yeah, and you're like, uh, okay, well, didn't see that because there was no mention of any of the uh, K. So I just spent six episodes getting there. But then it was like, you know what? I uh, I would because I went into it angry. I was like, no, we'll give them. And I went by the end. I'm like, oh, okay. So thanks for telling us exactly what happened. It would have been nice to know, as you uh, said, like pepper some stuff in there for the all the episodes to get up to that point. But I'm like, uh, okay, all right, yeah. So yeah, overall, I'd say it was a good way to spend Sunday nights for six weeks and, and a perfectly good show, worth watching. But, you know, it just... It, and you said seven out of ten you would give it? Like a seven? Seven out of ten, I think, yeah. Yeah, okay. like I would give it... I think I... Uh, I haven't posted anything yet, but I think I uh, came up with a, a 79 out of 100. So 7.9 is what yeah, I was going to so give. Yeah, almost eight. Seven, eight, whatever. Something yeah. in there, but... Cool, so what else you got? Oh, um, uh, you know, last week when I was talking about Madam Web and how it was like, oh, great, I oh, read these your new favorite that were, movie? Like, horrible and, like, go into it. So I went into the movie thinking it was going to be a zero... And by the time I left, I gave it a 33. It was a 3.3 out of 10, a 33 out of 100. And I went, ah. So going in thinking it was a zero, I was pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff. Uh, the acting was atrocious. Uh, the plot really uh, was didn't make a whole lot of sense. But it was mildly entertaining. And by the end, I was like, eh. But uh, I did have a couple children that came with me. And the children were like, hey, you know what? That wasn't a bad movie. And I'm like, okay, so when you're like nine or ten years old, uh, the movie was pretty good, I guess. But uh, yeah, 33. So if you go into it thinking it's a zero, you might be pleasantly surprised when you give it a 20, you know? Yeah. So there, there you go. go. Hey. Piece of garbage. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. Speaking of garbage, the uh, major television networks started to put out their shows now because of the strike. Everything was delayed. Right. So... I know everybody was waiting for me to tell them that FBI is back and uh, Fire Country is back and my favorite show SWAT is back with Hondo, which is in the final season right now. So they got 13 episodes and that's it. It was a whole thing even to bring it back for a final season. And then there's a new show and I'll be real quick here because I would never be watching a new show on like CTV or something. <laughs> but there's a show called Tracker that a friend told me about where this heartthrob, uh, Coulter Shaw, travels around the country with his fancy truck and RV going to places where people have offered rewards to because their father went missing and they posted a $15,000 reward. So he shows up and says, okay, the reward is a binding contract. So when I bring your father back, I want my 15 grand. And then he goes out and tracks them and he finds people and he brings them back and gets the reward money. And you know what, for a show like this, uh, my friend said that, uh, yeah, it's not bad for cheesy. Doesn't really do a whole bunch, but hold that heartthrob. Oh, tracker. So there you go. There's two episodes out now. Tracker. CTV. There, that's what I got. There you go, Craig. It's All up right. to you now. You, you uh, finish well, our segment now. Tell us stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, the only other thing I've been... I mean, I watched a few movies this week, but nothing worth uh, writing home about. Uh, but the other thing I did start watching was Tokyo Vice Season 2 uh, yeah. started again. And uh, we basically pick up where the last season left off. 
uh, where if you haven't read that, like Michael Mann developed the show. It's based on a book about a guy who was like an American who worked in Japan in journalism uh, and studied the Yakuza and stuff. And so it's really following several characters, both in the police, in the in the newspaper, and then in the Yakuza itself, in, in a couple of different factions of the Yakuza, and showing like how they can get away with everything they get away with, how you know how the cops are affected by it, how the government's involved, how the how the you know journalism's attack it and everything, or the journalists. I mean, I'm only two episodes into season two so far. I enjoyed season one, and so far season two is shaping up to to be interesting. But they're still kind of setting the table for for what's going on and finishing with the fallout of last season because there were some things that happened at the end of last season. Uh, I think uh, Jody uh, Jody and Dave love that show too, right? Oh, do they? Sure. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. That one's on Crave, so. Uh, we'll see how it develops as we go, but uh, right now I've just watched a couple of episodes. So I don't know if it's going to be better than Tracker and FBI and Fire Country and SWAT. Like I don't what know. could be? Like what it could doesn't be. only Madam Web. Me. All right, all right. Well, that's our time for uh, today. So we're going to throw back to Jody and everybody here, but uh, we will see you next week. Woo! Woo! Hello, Punch listeners. It is Brennan here once again with some information to change your life. That's right. We are here to elucidate. We are here to illuminate. We are here to educate and make you the most interesting nerd in the room. We are here for your nerdy news. And today I have a very special presentation. I am doing the Punch Radio Retro Edition. That's right. Now, I do realize a couple weeks ago I said I was going to go watch Madam Web and report back to you about that. However, life has gotten in the way, and at this point, I'm pretty sure if I wait another week, Madam Web will hopefully still be in the theaters. In the meantime, I had a nice little retro movie night, and there are a few classics that I watched in a row that I think we need to revisit, that we need to report upon to let you know about some movies that maybe you haven't watched in a long time. I'm speaking of the American classics, Airplane. Airplane 2, the sequel, and Spaceballs. That's right. Airplane, Airplane 2, the sequel, and Spaceballs. So I had uh, some company over who said they had never seen Airplane before. And I said, how have you never seen Airplane before? It's one of those movies that seems to be on all the time. So after an extensive search, I went and bought it on Blu-ray. Now, I could have rented it on the TV but to be honest, I found Airplane 1 and Airplane 2 in the same Blu-ray for the same price as renting it. Tiny rant, why do I still have to rent movies when I'm paying too much for streaming services? I know there's a reason for it. I don't want to go into it now, but it irks me. If I have to rent it, I might as well just go out and buy it, which is what I did. Airplane 1 and Airplane 2, starring Leslie Nielsen. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, just because I think it's awesome, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in it. Um, and an all-star cast of sort of classic actors. Uh, I think we know the story. There's an airplane. It's in trouble. They have to land it. Airplane holds up as much as it ever has. If you like the naked gun, uh, police god, squad type humor, that's exactly what it is. And what I really appreciate about Airplane is how straight everybody plays it. No one is playing it for laughs. They understand how the universe runs, even though it doesn't quite run exactly how ours does. And I think that's what makes Airplane work so well, is that they juxtapose these images together in a very straight-ahead kind of way. 
Airplane 2. Now, in my mind, I thought people didn't like Airplane 2. Rewatching it, I quite liked Airplane 2. In fact, there's a lot of scenes from Airplane 2 that I actually thought were in the original Airplane. Um, it does repeat a lot of the same jokes, a lot of the same beats, um, even kind of the plot line and his flashbacks to the first one. I didn't mind it uh, as far as that. The one thing Airplane 2, though, does is that it plays for the jokes a bit more. There's a couple spots where they, like the luggage attacking each other like dogs, the uh, airline steward that has the blanks and the gun that shoots the dog. It's, it, that's kind of played for more comedic effect, and it doesn't work as well as when they play it straight down the middle. That being said, if you had never seen Airplane and saw Airplane 2, you would think Airplane 2 is a great movie. They're both really good. I actually liked Airplane 2 more than I thought that I would. So if you're ever doubting, go back and check those out. And then, of course, Mel Brooks' Spaceballs. That's right. That was my triple feature starring Mel Brooks, John Candy, Rick Moranis, uh, Bill Pullman, and of course it is Mel Brooks' parody of Star Wars. I liked it when I was a kid because I like Star Wars and of course watching it when you're older. It still really holds up. And one of the aspects of the show that I really enjoyed were the practical sets. It's, it's amazing as a kid when I'd see like an underground cave that's a set and I'd think, oh, it looks so fake. And now I see a practical set of a cave and I'm like, oh my goodness. It's amazing. People used to build sets. It wasn't always CGI. They're actually using lighting for effect. It's not just all the same whitewash of color. Spaceballs was a lot of fun. There are jokes that I forgot about that only that, that work so well that predate other humor of this kind. Of course, if you know Mel Brooks, you know this type of humor that he does. Uh, but I think Spaceballs being a parody of a you know, a much larger franchise, much like uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That one I feel like I should rewatch. I loved that show as a kid. Same thing. Does it hold up? I can't remember. But Spaceballs totally did. Even scenes that I liked as a kid are even more funny as an adult. For example, Rick Moranis playing with his figures because as an adult, that's what we do now. There you go. Airplane, Airplane 2, the sequel, and Spaceballs. If you want some good laughs and some great humor, go check those out. In the meantime, this is Brandon saying, this is that. And I tripped over my own name. Can you believe that? Let me try that again. Jody can take that out or she'll leave it in. We'll see. That being said, this is Brennan saying, I'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. Okay, so thank you very much. Lots of good tips. Yes, and Jody did not edit that out, Brennan. We left it as is. So Dave's been reading a Smith's book. Yeah. And a cool story came out of that, which we will get into in a minute. But we, it made us think about how sometimes stars have used their power to help resurrect someone who influenced them, a mentor or just another artist who, whose work really meant something special. Yeah, so we've got a few shout-outs today to some celebrities who have used their celebrity in a sort of philanthropic way, not necessarily through charities, but by extending a helping hand and maybe using some of their limelight to cast a little bit of a glow on an older performer, perhaps, who maybe is past the peak of their career and giving them a chance at a resurrection. Yes, so a couple that came to mind, Jack White, a few years ago, paired up with Loretta Lynn and they recorded Van Leer Rose and definitely gave 
her a little bit of a boost in her career. That's after a really good record, too. She hadn't recorded anything for quite a while. Um, back in the late 80s, Prince, his song Kiss gave a boost to both Art of Noise and especially to Tom Jones. Yeah, like, I, I, you don't think of Tom Jones's career ever having faded, but, you know, he might have been bigger in the late 80s when we got to see him at TCU Place. Uh, and a, a lot of it had to do with that song being a successful cover for him. And, like, Prince did not let people cover his songs very often. No. Uh, so... Just to allow that to happen, I think, you know, would be a recognition of respect for what Tom Jones did as a performer. Yeah. And, and his version of it is good, too. It is good. It is good. Uh, KLF in uh, 1992 did that for Tammy Wynette. She'd kind of wound down after having such huge success on the country charts after her divorce and everything. She needed a little boost, and they certainly helped out. And they did a, a song called Justified and Ancient, and it hit number one. I think KLF could probably use a boost from somebody again. So yeah, you know, maybe cool. they can both, both have that. But the one that we wanted to talk about today was The Smiths and Sandy Shaw. Sandy Shaw was a huge artist in the 60s, kind of known for her barefoot performances. And she was an amazing performer, great voice. And she was married to a ne'er-do-well Jeff Banks, who was a bit of a fashion guy and squandered all their money. And she was completely broke and had no career at all. And Morrissey loved her. He loved her voice. He respected her career, and he gave her a really unique opportunity. Yeah, and this was really early in the Smiths' career, too, where, you know, they'd been on British TV a couple of times and were starting to develop a little bit of a fan base. And in one of their very first Top of the Pops appearances, she uh, was allowed to take Morrissey's place fronting the Smiths to perform Hand in Glove on Top of the Pops in a really cool performance that you can actually see uh, on YouTube. And, and her, her version is actually quite exciting. I mean, I'm a Morrissey fan, but uh, seeing this version was kind of refreshing and fun. Yeah, and it, it's a hard song to sing. Mm, it's true. not one of the easier songs from the Smiths catalog that you can just, you know, tune into. She does an excellent job. Yeah, and she probably was maybe in her late 30s or early 40s when that happened and still looked and sounded great in that performance, sort of confirming Morrissey's faith in her that she probably should have been a bigger star than, you know, the with the um, a more successful star, I guess, sure. than the path that her career took. So, so that's something that we're going to put on your radar. Go to YouTube and check out that clip of uh, Sandy Shaw and the Smiths performing. And that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. You know where to find us here every Friday at 6 p.m. on CFCR 90.5 FM. And in the meantime, if you do so.